Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. All day one of Wimbledon is in the books, done and dusted. You find us, myself, Catherine Ritiker, David Law, Matt Roberts, at Tennis Podcast Towers London Edition. Or rather, sort of almost Wimbledon Edition. We're a very short bus ride away from Wimbledon. David discovered the bus this evening. Yeah. Mm. Don't it take was like, cash anymore. It was no. like Christopher Columbus discovering America. <laughs> but we actually got on the bus and Catherine had to talk to me like I used to talk to my kids when they were about mm. four and said, put it here. <laughs> well, en route to the bus stop, stop David had um, expressed anxiety about the fact that he didn't have any change. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I um, did do that. Uh, and that was while Matt was making a, a phone call to one of his contacts about uh, a stat upcoming in this episode little teaser therefore you Matt's been working his contacts yes hashtag journalism (laughs) (laughs) that was good I know it's really good actually it is it's um an interesting talking point that we'll come to over the course of this episode about attendance which we which we instinctively to us the the feel of the place the attendance felt down today um on what you'd normally expect for day one of the the championships, um, it was still, it was great, but I think, you know, sort of post-COVID restrictions, incredible order of play. I think we and the tournament were braced for record attendances, quite frankly, and it was it was very far from that today. But I, I feel like we shouldn't start with that. I've accidentally started with that, um, but we will, as I say, we'll come on to it. Um, but we should start with... What was basically a really great day, I think. Slight slight intrusion of rain, which nobody was prepared for. No. BBC was... Weather Forecasts did not gear us up for the... Um, I didn't have the appropriate outerwear. No, neither did I. I had a half an hour walk to work today, and, and about ten minutes in, it started raining. And my, my one blazer that I've got for the whole fortnight is getting soaked. That's not a good start. Where was David Law to buy you an emergency umbrella exactly. when you needed him? Claim Imagine myself. how Simon Briggs felt. <laughs> he, uh, Simon Briggs of The Telegraph, The Telegraph's tennis correspondent, um, obviously having a busy fortnight. He is commuting from Chelsea to Wimbledon every day by bicycle in a tweed suit. <laughs> well, he was certainly in a tweed suit today. TBC on what he wears See tomorrow. See our Instagram. Mm, yeah. It is worth signing up for Instagram just for that folks anyway i've managed to start accidentally on the two negatives of the day let's let's row back a bit a bit uh and hit some highlights shall we for me a massive highlight was Ange Jabeur not losing in the first round yeah well doing exactly what you two both had been saying she would do which is not repeating the errors of her ways in at Roland Garros now admittedly when she was in Paris her opponent played well that's part of the story there but you two were adamant with me Ons Jabeur is not going to make that mistake again she is ready this is different and well what did she lose four games yes that's right and you mentioned the opponent I think it definitely is worth saying Bjorkland a lot less tricky than Magdalenette, as it turns out. Um, she, she, she didn't play particularly well, I didn't think. Maybe but... she doesn't play well when Dennis, Dennis is in the box. Perhaps. That is not a euphemism. <laughs> 
He was there watching her for once today. This is Denis Shapovalov, yes. who is her boyfriend. Yes. Right. So recently celebrated their three-year anniversary. Did they? Learned mm-hmm. that from Instagram How as well. How you know all this? Mm-hmm. The internet, David. <laughs> Can I poke for it's that It's going to be cash? big. <laughs> anyway, sorry, <laughs> Matt. We digress. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, having said that, Jabir was excellent. Really business-like, um, on it just immediately, I think broke straight away, looking to get on the front foot, dictating the points, and just looked to be on a mission, really. It was a completely different performance to that Roland Garros one where she was hesitant and nervous and clearly feeling the pressure. She just got on with it today, and she had she had won in inside about an hour. She said in her press afterwards, brilliant press conference, she said she talked a lot about that French Open defeat, actually. That was the first thing she was asked about, sort of compare and contrast your experience and your feelings, both now and before the match. And she, you know, she said how much of a disaster the French Open was. She's clearly done a lot of unpacking around what happened. Um, And she said, look, I, I made a mistake and I don't, don't make the same mistake twice. Um, and she just, she never once used the term imposter syndrome in the press conference, but she talked so much about imposter syndrome without, you know, expressly using using the term. She, I asked her about a little more about the, the confidence that she had hinted at having gained about playing with Serena Williams on Zrena. I don't know why I keep saying that because I really don't like that as a nickname, but here we are. Uh, um, the confidence she had gained from um, from being Serena Williams' doubles partner last week, and I asked her um, whether where that confidence came from. Was it the actual experience of being on the court with her? Was it just the very fact that Serena had chosen her, had handpicked her out of all possible players to be her, her partner? Um and she said it was both. She said absolutely the experience of being on the court with her was massive. It was very much in her mind that she had never played with Serena or hit, uh, never practised with Serena. She reeled off a list of, she said, I can remember, you know, the first time I hit with Venus. I can remember hitting with Azarenka. And she said, I got a lot from all of those experiences. And I've always wanted to hit with Serena and never had the chance to. And then she said, yes, it was a very big deal for me that Serena Williams chose me. But she also sort of explained that it was also a big deal for her how she dealt and reacted to the fact that Serena chose her. She said, three years ago, I would have panicked and played horribly and basically not felt good enough to share the court and be partners with Serena Williams, she said. Whereas now, because of how different a place she's in confidence wise and self-esteem wise I think she she felt really chuffed but she didn't feel unworthy and that's a massive shift for Ons Jabeur and one of the last things she was asked about in the press conference um, was you know the fact that she's the new world number two there's only one place well only one upward place to go from there and she was pretty punchily asked um, whether she thought she could get to number one this year. And I thought she would moonwalk away from that question as quickly as she possibly could. And she sort of, she went, look, it's going to be tough because of Svantec, but maybe. And she said, if not this year, then I'll be targeting start of next year. And I loved that. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we often compare her to Ash Barty because of the, the similarities in how the games look. The, the style they have, the slice backhands, the certainly the drop shot in Ons Jabeur's case, the, the really kick, kicked first serve. I think they've got quite similar big forehands. Maybe Barty's was more reliable. But, you know, in in recent times, Ons Jabeur's game has just looked more fragile and, 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 and everything else can go awry. But then Barty's used to do that several years ago. And I think there's also a parallel to be drawn about the way Serena Williams talks about Ons Jabeur and the way she used to talk about Ash Barty. When Barty first came along as a 16-year-old, she played Barty, beat her com- convincingly, and said, I really like her game. You know, and 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 I, I just 
always remember making mm. a little mental note of that. And then Barty took time out from the game. And I remember thinking, crikey, Serena Williams rates this woman. Please, let's hope she can figure this out. And just get the sense that Jabir is going through probably a similar kind of mental process as well as the game, as, as what Barty did. Matt went to bed last night not having completed his pre-tournament predictions. And his parting words as he as he shuffled off to bed were, I might go for a run in the morning and I might pick on Jabir for the title. Which those and two And then happened? he said Jabir was more likely. Okay. Tell us what happened this morning, Matt. I went for a run and I picked Igor Sviontek to win the title. I had a I had a reversal. Mm, big in big my morning. sleep. Mm. But it was the sort of performance which filled me with confidence. And look, I know it is only round one, but that in many ways felt like such a big hurdle because of what happened at the French Open. And isn't it interesting how how a loss can be a defining moment for you. I, I remember in your in one of your chats you had recently, David, with Jamie Delgado for the um, relived pod for Friends of Tennis podcast on junior champions. It wasn't actually audio we ended up using in the podcast, but it was sort of background information that he gave. And he talked about how he faced uh, Nicholas Lepenti and almost beat him. And yet he viewed that match really negatively because he lost but actually if he'd if he'd been in a more positive mental space he would have viewed it as I came really close to beating Lepenti who's a good player and I just think the way that Ons Chabur has dealt with that round one loss at Roland Garros just kind of shows what you're talking about there in terms of that mental progression because she's as you said worked through it she realized she perhaps overplayed but before the French Open. She's corrected that heading into here. She's just done a lot of things to put it behind her and yet also learn from it. And I think it's mm. so impressive how quickly she's she's done all of that. Yeah, it's, um, it's brilliant to see. Now, moving on from a woman who, quote, will never be in a mix in my lifetime to a woman who accelerated into and out of a mix <laughs> in what is definitely record time. Let's talk Beatrice Haddad Meyer. I've been really, you're looking at me, David, but I've been really kind to you by not leading with this, I think. We've talked about the weather. <laughs> we've talked about the attendance. We've talked about Ons Jabeur. Can we instead We've talk, mentioned Simon Briggs. Can we instead talk about the fact that I'm the only one of, out of all of us who got their prediction right today in the dailies? No. We're going to talk about Beatrice Haddad. Maya. I tried. <laughs> to quote Catherine's Instagram post about me. <laughs> Beatrice Haddad Maya, David's pick for the final, if anybody hasn't listened, hasn't listened to our preview podcast. And if you haven't listened yet, then you probably shouldn't bother because we dedicated about 40 minutes of it to David's pick of Beatrice Haddad Maya, who, newsflash, is out of the tournament <laughs> on day one. And it's just the best thing that's ever happened and it's not personal to Beatrice Haddad Meyer who I wish well at every point every point going forward but for the purposes of of podcast lols she has given us along with Kai Yuvan the victor today just an all-time epic moment you're supposed to be my friend well as your friend David if you'd come to me and said I'm considering picking Beatrice Haddad Meyer for the final I would have kindly talked you out of it, but... No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you, you, maybe I wouldn't have done. Anyway, she lost today to Kai Yuvan, who is a, look, is a really good player, and I don't understand why Kai Yuvan isn't quite happening. Um, maybe she is now. Maybe maybe this is Ooh, her happening. Maybe I'll lump on her. She, um, <laughs> we sorry, were informed. We, we were <laughs> informed by... What, well, actually, I almost, for the lols, and because I know Kai Yuvan's a good player, almost picked... Yuvan to win today in the daily newsletter predictions, but then I looked up her recent results and she retired injured last week in um, in Bad Homburg. So I thought, oh, oh David's going to at least get one round with Beatrice and Admire, but nope, an injured Kai Yuvan still beat your final pick. Um, very good friends with Iga Svantec, one Olympic uh, youth Olympic doubles gold with Iga Svantec. 
is um, a thing that I know about Kaya Yuvan. Yes, Youth Olympics, you don't have to be from the same country, I think, <coughs> to play doubles together. Yes, yeah, she's Slovenian, but she certainly hadn't won nearly as many grass court matches this year as Beatrice had admired. Um, which those grass court matchments did form the basis of David's prediction. David, just before we move on, please could you just summarise, you know, your thoughts, your feelings? Um, how how are you experienced today in the in the predictions sphere? It wasn't my greatest day, was it? Um, I mean, I'm trying to work out whether it was better or worse than when Petra Kvitova went out on day one and won Martin Del Potro, who were my two picks for the title in Australia about eight years ago. I think it's worse. Uh, uh, are you piping up now? Are you? What, 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 what's your People were talking about it in the press seats on Centre Court, David, when I sat down. People were leaning over going, has David seen uh, what's you going on on Court 12? You believe the number of messages and tweets that came my way. I David think... was getting trolled by Pam Shriver. More people were in touch with me about it than were in touch with Kai Yuvan after winning the blooming match. <laughs> it's delicious. Matt being the dedicated and professional reporter that he is, went over to Court 12. Yeah, I was accused of doing that for mocking purposes, but, you know, someone had been picked to reach the final and was in danger of going out. Follow the story. That is clearly the place to be. He sent a very smug photo while he was following the story. (laughs) All I'm going to say is this is a call to action to people, people on Twitter Please be atting David about Hadab Maya in three years' time in the same way people still do to me about Kismova. <laughs> <laughs> is she even in the draw? Don't think so, because in... no one's added me. Is she in the country? No. <laughs> um, we'll move on now, David. Thanks. I'll allow you a moment's respite. Can't promise it won't come up again, but no. for now... We move on to Emma Raducanu. I've never even seen her play. No. All right, we don't want to move on to Emma Raducanu. I mean, I'm trying to work out. I did this. It's a bad one, I was David. Not... It's a really bad it's a, it's one. It's a real low point, I was David. sober as a... You know, there was nothing going on. I, was, it was, I wasn't tired. I'd woken up. I had had plenty of sleep. I felt good. I mm. looked through the drawer. It all made sense to me. And yet, mm. oh... This is a low point. Move on to Raducanu. Raducanu, Emma Raducanu, made her centre court debut today and she won 6-4-6-4 over Alison van Oytvank. It was it was a patchy first set from both players really. It was a it was a ever so slightly strange atmosphere inside centre court. It was second on after Novak Djokovic against Sun Wu, uh, Sun Wu who will uh, we'll talk about that match shortly. Um, but it wasn't full when Emma Adekani walked out. It was a good reception, but the atmosphere built over the course of the match. And it was good, you know, and at times it was great. But it, I was expecting it to be spine-tingling and electric in there. She was one of the biggest sporting stories in my lifetime. In this country, this is her first time on centre court, her first time playing Wimbledon since becoming a Grand Slam champion. The first time almost everybody inside that centre court will have seen her. I was expecting it to be an extremely memorable moment and it was really great. I was glad I was there and I was impressed with Emma Raducanu and... I guess I guess this the problem perhaps was my expectations rather than what ended up transpiring, which was really, really good. It just wasn't spine-tingling. No, no. Uh, and at no point in either the Emirates or Andy Murray matches, which were second and third on centre court today, neither point in any part of those matches was it completely full. There were green seats on view at points in both matches, and I, ju- I really was surprised by that. And I think, look, we'll get on to the the, the attendance a little bit later, and, and I think that the, the, the something, something did happen today a little bit. In some way, it must have done. Um, but um, 
I got to watch it with you, Catherine, for a set and a half in the press seats, and actually that was a that was a brilliant experience because so rarely do have I ever been in centre court in the open. I'm usually look it's a wonderful position low down behind a commentary box window or I've been watching on TV those are the two things that I've tended to do here at Wimbledon and you get a different sense by being out there uh, what what it's like for the player actually that's that's the thing that occurs to me more than anything is when you're actually in the stadium in the open air you get to feel a bit more of what the player must feel um, and first of all I thought Emma Andacano was excellent I thought her her intensity from ball one was great we were having a little debate about the the view that is it good to be getting pumped up from kind of ball one and and our instinctive reaction was yes it is because and I think in particular in this instance I feel like she needed to punch her way through the nerves and all Mm. the hype and all the pressure and just just be in her own bubble and get excited and get get enthused and that's what she was doing she she I thought she handled the game of Van Oetvank very well because it's a tricky game to deal with. It's low bounces and drop shots and, and pushed balls and, and you don't quite know what's coming next. And she just had the foundations of her game, keeping low, absorbing stuff, getting her feet to the ball. It was all there. She didn't look physically impeded out there at all. She had to withstand about a 13-minute service game in, her sec- in the second game of the match. There was a lot of pretty tough moment she had to come through but to beat Van Oetvank 6-4-6-4 with all that's going on I think it's mightily impressive and just a final thing I'd say about that being in the stadium I did wonder we tend to watch matches with the media circus in mind with what people are saying looking at Twitter looking at newspapers hearing the radio watching the TV and and I'm sure all, all of our listeners do the same I wondered whether Emma Raducanu and these type of players in this position are just able to shut themselves off from it. Because when she's out there, she doesn't know anything like that's going on. I, I could see she, she, she almost looked happy to be out there because she's, or she doesn't know about any of that. And if she's able to kind of give her phone away to people to look after and just stay away from the TV, maybe it's possible to just enjoy being a tennis player for two weeks and kind of kind of get the best out of Wimbledon. And I think maybe I didn't realise that that might be possible. And I think she's showing it probably is. Well, I think one thing she has shown in her sort of year-long career now, it feels like we're coming a bit full circle with her back at Wimbledon, is that she's a big match player. And she referenced that, I think, in her press conference today, talking about the fact that, yeah, she felt good on the court. She enjoyed it. She embraced it. She was buzzing. Mm. And... We we have seen that if we look at the slams. She's never lost in the first round of a slam. And obviously what she did at Wimbledon and the US Open last year, you know, that, that speaks for itself. But even this year in the slams, the fact that she's got through that opening round each time when there's been tremendous uncertainty around her going into each of those slams, I think does show that she raises her game in these big tournaments, even even if we've only got sort of five of them to look at so far. And if she's physically okay, which I, I didn't see much of this match, but those those seem to be the reports, she's got a good draw and mm. it does become workable, I think, from here. I think this was, in many ways, such a tricky for opening test. I actually think today was a massive win for Emma Raducanu. I'm, I'm relieved and I'm, I'm so pleased for her. I think... I th- I think the negatives of losing outweighed the positives of winning, you know, the the headlines were already written in pencil for her loss today, you know, limping off court, whatever that loss might have looked like. Um and for her to have avoided that and done it with the the grit that she did, um I thought the the forehand looked a bit shaky in the opening set. That's the shot that that is sort of the barometer of how she she's feeling and where her game is. Um, but she really started hitting through it and putting her weight into it, um, getting such a cleaner, more um, purposeful strike on the forehand in the second set. And I think it's massive and I'm I'm chuffed for her. She's got Caroline Garcia next, which is, I mean, who knows what to expect at any point in time from Caroline Garcia. 
Um, but you know that's tricky. Garcia's just won just won a grass court tournament in Hamburg. I would have Raducanu as is the favourite for that. Um, but it's it's tricky to use a, a Matt Roberts ism. Um, just very sorry. I was going to say it's one one of the few players she has played. They met in uh, Indian Wells mm. and uh, Radhikanu won in three sets. Mm, so. She was very good that day mm. in Indian Wells. Um, just very quickly, uh, Molly McKelvey did a piece today in The Telegraph um, about the coach, sort of very much in the shadows coach that Emma Radhikanu has uh, been spotted with on the practice courts this week at Wimbledon. And it's actually, it sounds like, been in in the background a lot um, recently and was one of her childhood coaches, worked with her a lot during her development. Uh, and that's Jane O'Donoghue, who, who as soon as I saw her name, I thought, where do I know that name? And Jane O'Donoghue versus Venus Williams was the first match I ever watched on Centre Court. Wow. After queuing overnight uh, on the on the Monday night ahead of the Tuesday of the championships in 2002 on the pavement with no tent. <laughs> I did have loving and uh, protective parents. Uh, it was just a moment of uh, <laughs> moment of madness from everyone <laughs> that that was allowed to happen. Um, and yeah, I saw Venus Williams, the defending champion, come out day two, 2002, and she took on plucky Brit Jane O'Donoghue and it lasted 45 minutes. <laughs> Well, and, and there was a lot of hype around that. I mean, I think she won she won two or three games or something like that, you know. And and but and she was just outclassed as a lot of people are against Venus Williams. But uh, she Emma Emma spoke quite in depth about their relationship and how important she's she's always been there for her. She said, and and she's she's by the sounds of things made a heck of a success of her life post tennis. She's been part of the LTA setup and all the rest of it for a while. But then has also, you know, created a, a business life for herself as well, and yeah, it, and and classic Radicano, really interested in that side of things and mm. picking her brains about that as well. There's so much more to her than just a tennis player. I just on a on a very basic level, I'm so pleased that she's got got a female presence in her team. Yeah, I agree. you know, she's she's a 19 year old mm. girl. It's really difficult being a 19 year old girl. I'm pleased that. Just pleased that she has that female energy around her. Uh, what else happened in the bottom half of the women's draw today? Well, because of the aforementioned rain, quite a few matches were cancelled, both uh, men's and, and women's first round singles matches. Those that did get played were Angelique Kerber beating Christina Mladenovic. She was not in the mood to hang around, Angelique Kerber. She won the first set six love in about... 18 minutes, I think, and she was on course for the double bagel. And then suddenly Nadenovic is three all and it looks like the, the momentum swung completely. But in the end, Kerber just, she's so good on grass, Kerber. Mm. She's a real sight to behold. And, and I mean, she, she ended up being beaten by Ash Barty last year. And you could imagine her causing all sorts mm-hmm. of trouble again here. There's there's not so much to lose for her, is there? If she's already won the title, you know, we we don't know. I, I get the feeling she's just wringing out every last mm. drop of being a tennis player and enjoying it. And that makes her dangerous. I love to watch her on grass. It's brilliant. Uh, the second seed unexpectedly won today. Annette Contivate <laughs> beat Bernarda Perra. Um, she's had a tough time, you know, Contivate. I was reading that she'd had COVID and, and it had lasted for, you know, she'd had, I don't know whether you'd say she'd had long COVID, but she certainly had lingering COVID for a while and, and it had taken gosh, it out of her. I was re- reading her press conference transcript and it sounds as though she's had a pretty t- tough time. Wow. Mm. Gosh, well, I'm pleased for her that she got, got a win today then. she I, It looks to me like she's pleased to be back here and pleased to be playing on grass and feels like in theory to me she should have a decent enough game for for grass but she's just had such a tough year it's difficult to to see her do anything of note but goodness me wish her well um Diane Parry remember her oh yeah do lovely backhand lovely backhand not one of Matt's top 5 but a lovely backhand not even in the top 10 by the looks of Matt's face <laughs> <laughs> would it be top 10 
I don't know. I've, I've been put on the spot. Needs some, needs some time. Needs some serious you know, thought. It took six months for him to come up with the five. Yeah. Come on. And that five is it's laminated. Um, she did Seeds Everywhere a favour today and beat Kai Kanepi. Oh, yeah, she sure, she sure did. Mm. Kai Kanepi is the only person in the world who draws Diane Parry with all respect to Diane Parry and goes, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I wanted Iga Świątek. I wanted yes. Simona Hallett. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, I'm pleased, though, that, that Diane Parry has not disappeared yeah, after the oh, French yeah. Open. I mean, she's mm. the sort of player you want to watch a lot yeah. more of. Her and Hugo Gaston, if you're into yes. your French players. I think players. he plays tomorrow. I almost picked him to lose, but then decided <laughs> against. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. <laughs> uh, on to the men's draw and a few interesting ones today in the men's draw. Carlos Alcaraz, just in a casual four-hour, 14-minute epic, beating Jan Leonard Struff in five sets. Uh, Matt was watching, or certainly watched a lot of it. Um, what a what a way for him to introduce himself to the court one crowd, Matt. Yeah, amazing. And they really did take to him. And I think that's one of the things about Alcaraz, is that he knows he plays really exciting tennis. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love that. He, he he's Again, he said in his press conference, particularly in the Spanish por- portion, that his tennis is dynamic and fun. And therefore, he thinks that the crowd really, um, <laughs> you know, kind of go with him. And that was definitely the energy on court one as he made this comeback against Jan Leonard Struff. Because I really thought he was going out. To be honest, he was two sets to one down. Struff was bringing it in the way that he he can when he's serving well and he's just all his momentum is moving forward in the court and he just imposes himself and his power and he looked the much bigger presence. Alcaraz looked quite kind of small compared to Struff, um, and that was it was almost reassuring in a way to me that Alcaraz was struggling on grass because. He's so exceptional. He's so exciting. And yet it was like tennis's natural defences of a, of a different surface were like, yeah, you, but you, you still got to crack this, Carlos. <laughs> and, of course, he's so brilliant. 
he did manage to come through and he he did sort of get better as the match went on i i think in the end he he won it I mean, lots of reasons. One of them was physically. He seemed the physically stronger, even though I've said that about Struff being so imposing. Alcaraz was just, you know, he's he's a teenager, isn't he? He, was, he had so much energy, even deep in the fifth set. He's now won five of his six five-set matches that he's ever played. The only one he lost was that final set tie-break to Berrettini in Australia. He's very, very good, even in deciding sets. And... I don't think he's cracked grass. You know, he he said that there are players in the tournament who are better on grass than he is. He talks a lot about how the movement is still something that he... He he says it it doesn't come in just a day. You know, you can't just crack the movement on grass in a day. You need time. Uh, And he hasn't had that many matches. So that's definitely something to look out for with him. He served exceptionally well. 30 aces, the most he's ever served, I believe. Um, But generally... The one thing I would say is that great players can just suddenly produce something stunning when they need it. And he did that today in the fourth set tie break. He was a mini breakdown and he came up with the most stunning single-handed on-the-run flick backhand pass to get him to 2-1 in that tie break. He would have been 3-0 three, three down without it. I watched the replay six times in a row. <laughs> Couldn't believe my eyes how he how he how he managed it, and it's little just little moments like that. It's just it's just greatness. He just okay. He's still got to achieve everything we think he's going to achieve, but just I've seen great players do those things, and he's he's already doing them. I, I can't help thinking that this was the banana skin, mm. the early round problem, and having found a way through. Imagine if it dries up and he gets his feet under him properly. I think he plays Fabio Fanini next. I mean, that's tough. That's a tough draw. And mm. Fanini is comfortable on grass. I mean, we've seen him cause Murray problems here years ago. But if he, can, if he can just stay in the event long enough and not be injured and get comfortable... And the more... The more, the more- match time he gets that's learning time isn't it so and because he's so young he doesn't have to worry so much about the hours on the on the clock you feel like it's just all all time in the classroom five setters and be able to figure it out more uh speaking (laughs) of five setters we had a fifth set tie break uh today A, a, a in fact i think we had a couple but the one i'm i'm talking about here is seven seed Hubert Hercatch going out to Alejandro Davidovich Fikina? Always a banana skin, this one. A blooming tough draw for Hercatch. A Davidovich Fikina, okay, you might might not think of him as a grass quarter, but he did win juniors at Wimbledon in 2017. Um, and it was <laughs> the most. Uh, what. I want to think of a non-clear. I don't want to say roller coaster. I don't want to say topsy turvy, uh, but it was all of those things. This match, it was a thrill ride. Uh, Alejandro Davidovich Fakina was two sets to love, five three, forty love serving, and this went five. He went for a completely unnecessary tweener. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward. Well, including rain delay, probably about three and a half hours. And Hubert Hercatch is serving for the match in the fifth set. What was he <laughs> doing? Honestly, just another day for Alejandro Davidovich yeah. Fakina. He he plays these He's a crazy fun matches. He is a fun time. Um, I mean, he literally couldn't play tennis for about 90 minutes from having match point to her catch serving for the match he it was his game fell to pieces and yet suddenly he just snapped back and, and, and got it back and ended up winning the final set tie break and it's it's actually a really big result i think i mean Huge. her catch was in a section of the draw where i think most people were probably picking him through to at least the quarterfinals maybe even the semi-finals yeah semi-finals yeah. Yeah. yeah i think we're all included I've in had that. a good day today it's gone really um, well there's this weird stat going around about the haller jinx have you seen this yes all haller champions except for federer except is it that good a stat because federer sort of won haller 
by well, 42 times. But, but it's, well, it's the last six other than Federer have all gone out in the first round of Wimbledon. Um, for a while, it was just a collection of Germans. Cole Schreiber, back when David Haas. was media director of Queens, he'd have bloody loved that stat. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd have been dining out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been thinking of ways to tweet it without looking sort of bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah, Chorich, Meyer, Umber, Herkatch, Haas, and Cole Schreiber now. Um, yeah. I don't know what to make of that, except it is it is a fun stat. But yeah, Davidovich Fakina, such a fun time. Those two players were at sort of opposite ends of the spectrum for me in terms of how I feel about them in terms of fun on a tennis court. And he's right at the top, Davidovich, Davidovich Fakina. I can't even say his name. Herkatch, I don't go out of my way to watch his matches. And yet watching him live, as I did today, was interesting because... The ball pings off his strings. He's a very sweet time with the ball. And yet, I felt like Davidovich Fakina was the reason I was there. Even though Herkatch is the higher seed and the one that to go through. Translate that game, maybe. Yeah, I don't think so. It is a little bit. It's very clean. It doesn't look like he's swinging hard at the ball. People who work in tennis uh, and like really into tennis often rave about Hubert Herkatch as a player to watch which I have not really been able to get on board with. But I've he, never watched him live. He's mm. got this very Andy Murray-like backhand, hasn't he? In fact, there are quite a few elements of, of his game that resemble Andy Murray's. And yet, I don't think of him as a symbol, similar player to Andy Murray at all. I don't think of sort of epic scrambling rallies or anything. But anyway, we won't be playing, playing any more Randy's at Wimbledon because he's, he's out. <laughs> Who does that open up a massive opportunity for, I wonder? Well, I mean, I, I, think it's pretty, I think it's pretty good news for Novak Djokovic. I mean, I certainly didn't have Djokovic losing to Herkatch, but I could have seen a scenario had had Herkatch reached that stage and Djokovic too, where that could be a troubling matchup. He yeah. took a set off him, was it 2019, uh, when they met here? And mm. Herkatch is a far better player now than he was in 2019. And Djokovic... Like he won today, and in the end, he won pretty convincingly against Kwon Soon Wu. Um, but he didn't look quite right. No, not at all. I, mean, I thought he was injured uh, when I was watching the match. I genuinely thought this guy is either. Well, actually, I think I thought he's unwell. He looked unwell to me out there, and there were no sort of histrionics about it. But there, were, there was no celebrating winners whatsoever for the three sets that I watched. I didn't watch much of the fourth that he won quite comfortably in the end. But the first three sets, they got to one set all, three games all. They'd won 63 points each. That's how close this match was. And, I mean, he went 3-1 down in the first set. I thought Kwon was was really good. I mean, this is a guy who has not got past the second round at Wimbledon. He's only ever been to one third round of the Grand Slam before. He hadn't reached a third round of any tournament since last September. You know, he had not been in good form, but it was as if he just thought, okay, then, I'm going for broke. And he went after shots. He was hitting the ball cleanly. Djokovic was playing reactive tennis. And we're actually watching some of the coverage back as, as we talk right now. And I'm seeing Djokovic slice his backhand, backhand an awful lot as if he's just trying to find his range. And then when we spoke to him in the press conference afterwards, no complaints about any physical issues at all. He just said, look, I have not played any matches and it doesn't matter how much practice you have any how many practice sets you play you can't replicate it and he hasn't played since he lost to Rafael Nadal in Paris a month ago um, now he's won this title a number of times without playing any warm-up tournament and he could well win this tournament as well but just like a year ago when he lost first set to Jack Draper this was a, a rusty tense, nervous, anxious Novak Djokovic who found a way to win. and But he was far from convincing. He plays the Nazi Kokonakis next, which could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, if Kokonakis plays well, he, he could play, uh, I mean, maybe a little bit similarly to Hubert Herkatch or someone like that. I just think... The likelihood is that Djokovic is just going to keep getting better because that's what he normally does. But you know, he can't he can't win the title playing the way he did today. That much is for sure. 
Mm, it's going to be very interesting, isn't it? If he, you know, if he, if there is that, you know, chink of vulnerability there in the op- opening rounds, is there somebody that can step up and go? There's an opportunity here, or will the the locker room aura of Novak Djokovic at Wimbledon going for a, he was pretty a fourth consecutive title will that override the you know yeah. the, the chink? I, I was wondering that. What which force is going to win out here? And Djokovic was quite honest in the post match press conference about the the situation being on his mind. He can't he can't pretend that he doesn't know that he might not play another Grand Slam tournament for eleven months if he's not allowed to play the US and the Australian. He he's he was admitting that, that that's a factor here. Um and and he's desperate to win this one. Andy Murray was also a winner today. Four sets for him against James Duckworth, who hadn't won a main draw tour level match all year ahead of this one I mean he, he's had surgery this year or perhaps at the end of last year on his on his hip two two crooked hips on court together or rather two two once cro- crooked hips that have now been somewhat fixed um, I think you took this one to four sets just so you could get the winning moment in commentary David <laughs> uh, and then it ended up being a really anticlimactic uh, <laughs> sort of match point where where there was like an overall and, uh, and, and I think sort of... James Duckworth stopped play that was it yeah yeah James Duckworth Mm. He, he made well, a, I do. Generally speaking, I do like Hawkeye, but it has ruined a lot of match point moments. Yeah, so he made a years. few mess ups in that match uh, with with Hawkeye. Did mm. uh, did Duckworth? He played pretty well. I mean, he won the first set. He was playing the aggressive, assertive tennis early on. Um, he got really grouchy. Did Duckworth towards the end of the third set because he said, "I just can't see in the darkness." Um, and he, he was saying, "Oh, if 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 he asked you to to close the roof and put the lights on, you'd do it." But you won't for me because he's Andy Murray, and that's what he was saying to, to the, the the supervisor. Mm. Um, and then low a, level aggro, uh, indeed. And then after the third set, Murray had won the, the next those two sets pretty comfortably, six three, six two. And there is that thing here where when the darkness descends, they can't just put the lights on and carry on playing the match in the outdoors. And that is a bit of a design issue, I think, because. You can't maintain the outdoor conditions anymore. You have to close the roof because the lights are embedded in the roof, uh, in the actual thing that comes across. And Murray's had that quite a lot. Mm. Certainly last year he because played in that slot on centre court. That's the BBC yeah. slot. And I don't think he likes it because. No, no. You said it. You said it changes the conditions, and and I I would rather be outdoors. Yeah, and I think he maybe goes a bit cold, and then suddenly sort of warming back up again and getting into the match like the fourth set was much more of a struggle for him than the previous two sets have been tonight I think um I didn't see huge amounts of this match but what I do know and I know this because I had um messages from Catherine in three different whatsapp groups mm. was that there was an Andy Murray underarm serve I sent the same message to three different whatsapp groups I needed an immediate response I needed to talk to somebody about it immediately and it was all in caps Andy Murray underarm yeah. serve <laughs> I loved it. I love that he only hit one all match. And I, I, we didn't go to his press conference because it was late and we needed to come back. And, it, was the, it was the first question, Was Catherine. it the first question? <laughs> oh, The moderator got just one in, how was it to be back? And then the first question was, underarm surf, what were you thinking there? <laughs> what I want to know, what I would have asked was, had you been thinking all match, I'm going to do an underarm serve at some point. No, he hadn't oh. been thinking that. He said, just came to him. He said, I've always thought it's a legitimate tactic, mm-hmm. always. See, you see a lot more of them these days, but he says, I've never thought there's anything wrong with it, just like I don't think there's anything wrong with standing eight feet, be- eight meters behind the baseline, as if he was making a point. Um, and he, he, he <laughs> That's said, That's a bit salty, isn't he, it? He, he said, Look, I saw him change his return position. And so I thought, okay, well, you can do that, but then I'm going to do this. And he said, I wouldn't do it if he was standing on the baseline. No chance. Um, well, I loved it. He did win the point. It, it wasn't a sort of simple drew the return error win the point. It was a slightly odd sort of fun scrambly point. But one underarm serve, 100% success rate. You know what to do for future matches, Andy. The stats don't lie. Uh, his next next match, incidentally, will be against John Isner, 
who went five today, just can't help himself in the first round. No. On court 18. Yeah, went five on court 18. He must have been having awful flashbacks. Yes. He's a bit of a troll. troll, isn't yeah. it, every year by putting him on court 18? <laughs> it it's sort of crowd. making him a tourist attraction, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Yes. And a, it's, got the, it's got the plaque on. The actual plaque with the 70-68 yeah. <laughs> scoreline on it as he walks past to take his place on the court and go five again. Uh, Cameron Norrie, the ninth seed, opened up court two. He beat Pablo Andujar uh, very handily today. Annoyingly for him, the, he was rained off two mm. points away from victory, but it was six love opening set. Um, he was great today, and he was conducting the crowd in his post-match interview. He's really oh, did he? That's grown good. into his role as a top player. Some people were were a bit eyebrow-raising about the scheduling on court two. You know, top ten British player is 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 that unexpected for them to be on court two? I, I it hadn't was, occurred to me at the time of it coming out, I, I suppose, have to say. But I suppose there are people who might say, well, surely you should have been scheduled ahead of Alcaraz, for instance. That, but, that would be But his the tennis one. is so fun and dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm such an Alcaraz fan that I, I'm okay with it, but then that's just me. Yes, that's, that's how I ended up feeling as well. I think, incidentally, Nori is probably the seed who would benefit the most from her catch going out. Ooh. He's in the Hercatch eighth, so the wow. you know the one who might reach the quarterfinals from that little section. But by the way, Catherine, just to say on uh, the one of the interesting little tidbit from the Murray press conference was he said physically I felt fine today. There was no issue, and he'd actually had a scan on Saturday just to check whether it had healed. And he said for the first time the scan showed nothing. Wow! So that's sounds really positive. That is good news. Yeah. Well, look, both. I thought it was a it was a slow start from Murray. It took him a long time to start reading the Duckworth serve. Um, James Duckworth was looking like John Isner for the opening set of that match, um, but he and Raducanu looked physically fine today, mm. both yeah, of them, which is pretty amazing, really. Uh, for quickly, a few other men's results: Casper Ruud got his first ever Wimbledon win. And a first ever Wimbledon win for the Rude family. Because uh, Christian, I believe, was uh, 0-5 and and Casper was 0-2 coming into this. Congratulations to the Rudes. Casper beat Albert Ramos Vinyalas. Yannick Sinner beat Stan Wawrinka in four sets. That's a tough draw for Stan Wawrinka, isn't it? It's just just never destined to happen for him on grass. Uh, Tim van Rijthoven, remember him? Vaguely. Yes. He did a big thing a few weeks ago. I'm surprised they didn't get him to be in the final. <laughs> he has won a Wimbledon match, won a Grand Slam match for well, maybe, his, maybe, their very first maybe time. Maybe I will then. He beat was, Federico Del Bonis. <laughs> I was very pleased Wimbledon gave him a wild card, yes, actually. Yes, me that's, too. That's the sort of wild card I think should be given, really. Someone who's done an exceptional thing, winning a completely unexpected ATP title. You know, good players don't win ATP titles it in their career. a little bit like the wild card that Ludmilla Samsonova received last year. So, congratulations to, to Tim van Rijthoven, who must just be pinching himself every day at the moment. Um, now, I before we get on to tomorrow's order of play, let's deal with the trailed talking point of attendance at Wimbledon today look it was it was it was well attended it's Wimbledon there were a lot of people there there was good atmosphere but as I said earlier on we were expecting it to be feverish quite frankly given given all factors and it distinctly wasn't and again that is relative to expectation but it it definitely felt slightly lighter on the ground bodies wise and atmosphere wise so they usually publish and quite frankly often make a song and dance about the daily attendance of course when it's an all-time high or higher than on the same day last year it's quite often put put on a board in the in the media center maybe maybe it still is but we swung by um this evening um, Matt, who was treated like a, a celebrity around the media centre because he used to work on the welcome <laughs> desk, um, 
strolled up to his old mates and said, uh, "What's what's the attendance for today?" And they said, "We don't have it yet, but but we can text you." <laughs> uh, anyway, they. they Sorry, just to say, it's one of the very few moments where I know people in tennis. Mm. And I love witnessing you two don't. it. I love it. Uh, anyway, just as we were leaving, um, they informed us that the attendance today was 36,000. Uh, now, the capacity is 42,000. So we're thinking, okay, on the way home, we'll, um, we'll once, we're, once we're back at TP Towers, we'll do some Googling about, uh, about, past attendances we can sort of take take 2021 out of the equation because that's obviously anomalous anyway while we're strolling towards the bus david and i are chit-chatting matt's a few paces behind us suddenly we hear we hear matt on the phone to a to one of his contacts (laughs) making inquiries working my sources working his sources tell us what you found out matt well, something pretty revealing, really, um, is that that attendance, 36,500, something like that, is the lowest first day attendance at Wimbledon, not including last year because of COVID, um, since 2007. And every opening day since 2011 has been above 40,000. So it's a, it's a really significant drop off. And I think we all felt it, um, as you pointed out, there were some empty seats throughout the day on centre court. Little things like, um, you know, my sister was here today and she got here early um, to go and watch the first couple of hours on the outside courts. Obviously it rained and she didn't get to see that much. Um, But little things like it was so easy to just get on court 12 at the start of day or it was so easy to get on court three at the start of day. I've been... I've queued for Wimbledon before, and those courts are usually rammed mm. right at the start. And it just wasn't like that. And that, that got me thinking immediately, what's going on here? It does mm. seem a little bit quiet. Well, even on Sunday evening, I was in Wimbledon Park where the queue is uh, at about 7 p.m. And it was four rows deep. Now, the, the rows go on for some hundred meters. You know, it's it's not a small amount of tents that were there, but it was... Nothing like what I was kind of expecting. Now, I, I, I'm interested to monitor it for the next few days and just see if there's any theme here. And if there's not, I still want to know why. I mean, and I don't know whether we'll, we'll be able to work that out, but it was strange. The only, the only thing that did occur to me was, are people just out of the habit of queuing? They haven't been able to do this since 2019. There was no queuing in, in 2021. You know, maybe, maybe it's just sort of stopped entering people's consciousness that they can do that now Wimbledon did advertise for it yesterday or the day before they said we'll accept people into the queue from 2 p.m on Sunday Um, but still it it did feel light even to me last night but I didn't expect it to feel light on the ground and it did yeah look quite honestly we don't know do we we don't know we can wildly speculate but even that feels i'm i can't even really think of many potential reasons cost of living crisis is one that occurs to me you know people are significantly poorer than they were in recent times and wimbledon is expensive but then does tend to be quite an affluent crowd at wimbledon very generally speaking i wish it were a less affluent crowd or certainly a more diverse crowd um so that i don't that's that's just all I can think of, really. But I'm 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 grasping, quite frankly. And I would like to know if you, if you've got any thoughts, um, listeners, about what it might be. Do get in touch at tennis podcast or send us an email. Um, or if you're somebody that ordinarily would have would have queued or bought a ticket and you decided not to this year, and it's you know it's, you don't mind sharing, we'd be very interested to hear from you. Um, so yeah, let us know. It's something we'll be tracking over the course of the fortnight. Tomorrow's order of play. Very, uh, very quickly with you through that. Svantec open centre court. The world number one against Jana Fett of Croatia, who once held match points against Caroline Wozniacki mm. on route to Wozniacki's Australian Open win. Uh, then Francisco Sarundolo takes on Rafael Nadal. 
second on. I don't know why I did that uh, silly uh, roll of my R's. I feel a brat. Perhaps you were inspired um, by the uh, guy in the press centre announcing the yes, uh, press conference times for... Pablo Carreño Busta yep. will be in the main interview room. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Did Enjoyed Pablo Carreño Busta win? Because I'd like to hear that again. No, he didn't. Oh, okay. In fact, I think he might have even retired. He did, actually, oh. yeah. Poor chap. Well, I'm, I'm glad we enjoyed it uh, while we could. So then it is Serena Williams taking on Harmony Tan. Those are three players back-to-back. Iga Svantec, Rafa Nadal, Serena Williams, who I'm fascinated to see mm. you know for slightly different reasons but basically how will they be because mm. i think there's very different levels of question marks but just question marks kind of over all of them for yeah different reasons but mm. be fascinating to see how they will get on tomorrow berrettini against Garin caught one then uh heather watson uh to finish actually against uh corpatch what is corpatch's first name do we know I think it might be Tamara. Tamara, it's certainly a T. I think that sounds right. They're uh, tied at a settle. Uh, Mukova against Halep, and then Richard of Switzerland, the qualifier, takes on Sitsipas. Goff, Dimitrov, Kvitova, Dan Evans are all on court two. Sakari, Kyrgios against Job, Orgelisim, Cressy, David. They're on court number three. Oh. And then Muguruza and Karolina Plushkova. Um, loads going on tomorrow because there's matches that uh, that weren't able to be played today. So we can't wait. We'll have Willow, our Wimbledon mascot, with us throughout. We love Willow. Um, David sends his, his apologies to Darwin for everything. Um, <laughs> Although... Yes, today went well. Newsletter prediction. Wider scheme of things, Darwin. <laughs> possibly back with the wrong horse. Uh, Carter. It's not going much better, but anyway, no, no, no career damaging failures. Uh, although we did pick John Millman, and that went very badly. Sorry, Carter. Uh, Gerald, the dearly departed Gerald, for Matt today. Uh, Billy Jean. Uh, is not at Tennis Podcast Towers today. She'll be back on Friday. She is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss. Kyle Weingartner and Chris Albert Lee are our top blokes and executive producers. And Matt, we have Wimbledon Day 1 shout-outs. For Eleanor Liederbuck in Ooh. Valley City, Ohio. Wow! That's good, isn't that it? That sounds amazing. Valley City. That sounds like a... This sort of place that a superhero lives in. Yeah. You know, like Metropolis mm. or Gotham City. Like it. Mm. Thank you, Eleanor. Indeed. We have Cynthia, who's in Holland. Right, Cynthia. Not enough tennis Cynthias, I would say. No. Have, have Holland had any good players of late? Uh, Tim Ta- Van Rijthoven. Talon Greeksport lost today to Fabio Fanini. Tim Van Rijthoven. Tim Van Rijthoven, yeah. Kiki Burton's. Of course. Yeah, who retired last year, didn't she? Yeah. yeah. Probably at the end of end of our list now. Raymond Sloiter. Slouter. Sluter? Slouter. <laughs> we, we should probably give Richard Kreitzer a mention. Richard Kreitzer, 1996. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wimbledon champion. He was a good one. <laughs> Sorry, Richard. <laughs> went straight in with Tim Van Rijthoven. <laughs> <laughs> Richard's like, Oi! <laughs> <laughs> And third and final shout out tonight is Paul Bullock, who is an Englishman living in Malta. Oh, oh, we had a Malta came up. The yeah. other day. Yes, we had a Maltese uh, listener the other day, and or somebody who's living there anyway. Paul's little factoid is that his parents met at a Springsteen concert in Brighton in 1981. Like it wow. a lot. That's very good, isn't it? I wonder how many relationships have been formed at Bruce Springsteen concerts. A lot, oh. I think. I, I would love to meet the man of my dreams at a Bruce Springsteen concert. <laughs> Unfortunately, I fear the age the age bracket is not it's not necessarily in your favour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unless I'm willing to make some significant adjustments to my hopes and dreams for the future. Okay, uh, this has been the day one <laughs> Wimbledon. <laughs> Tennis podcast. We'll be back with 13 more of these. Yes, 13 more because there are no middle Sundays anymore. Certainly no restful middle Sundays. There is only tennis between now 
and a week on Monday. So, Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So we hope you're enjoying Tell your friends, leave us an Apple Podcasts review. If you haven't subscribed to the newsletter, do it. And if you haven't become a friend and want to be able to listen to our two Wimbledon Relived episodes on Junior Champions and on Middle Sundays, then become a friend of the pod. The link is in our show notes and we'll speak to you tomorrow. 